0: world as we know it is about to change, right in front of our eyes. Our universe is about to embrace the metaverse. We're on the edge of one of those big technological leaps into the unknowable. Unknowable, but exciting. New Jersey music producer and DJ Kerry Chandler is excited.
1: I've been all over the world, I've been really blessed to see all these things and go to certain places. But there are certain places I've never been to, like I've never been to go see the pyramids in Egypt. And I remember putting on my first pair of Oculus and seeing the pyramids for the first time, like it looks like it was like real life. And I thought to myself, wow, I don't actually have to go anymore. I'm looking right at it, I'm looking at it. And I've actually gone back to my old neighborhood just to take a look around and see. It's like, wow, uh, I don't live there anymore. Thank God. So the metaverse, what
0: exactly is it? In short, it is a vision for the next phase of the internet, a unified, immersive, 3D virtual space where people can experience life in ways not possible in the physical world. It's accessed through virtual reality or VR headsets, and although it might appear to be a largely visual realm the other senses especially hearing aren't going to be mere
2: support acts nick hun entrepreneur and physicist it's interesting how we use our different senses and how they can be used we have five senses feel sense smell touch hearing most of which have been pretty well accessed and monetized by technology. With hearing, we see that very much through the recording industry. With sight, we see it through TV and film. Not so much in touch. There's some haptics there. We have virtually nothing in smell at all. The industry hasn't yet worked out how to do other than put scent in an expensive piece of glass bottle. And taste, obviously, there's a massive food industry around that. So all of those have a profound effect on how we feel. Whether that's the way you hug somebody, whether you're looking at something, whether you're listening to something.
0: And I'm Justin Lockie, musician, composer and lead guitarist of Editors. In this final episode, we try to figure out where these fast advances in hearable technology will be taking us in the next 20 years.
3: Mission Winnow presents Now Hear This, a series on the future of hearables
0: technology journalist Jane Wakefield
4: As we move into digital worlds like the metaverse it's not just going to be about what we see but it's going to be about what we hear If you're creating a metaverse, you need the sounds. If you walk into a forest, you're not just seeing beautiful trees, you're hearing the birds, you're hearing the trees moving. So audio is going to play an absolutely huge role in the metaverse if it's going to be a place, as the companies that are developing want it to be, that we spend a lot of time.
0: I naturally like to spend a lot of time in the studio, but sometimes you just can't get all your fellow musicians together. And that's where the metaverse comes in handy.
5: We've been working with the BBC on developing the world's first ever virtual recording studio. Gavin Kearney, our spatial audio expert from York University. We went down to BBC Made of Vale and we measured the acoustics of the space and we also the geometry of the space and built up a virtual model for the metaverse. Then we took a band down to the actual studio, we recorded them in the studio, having that real experience of being together live, playing as if it was a live lounge or a John Peel session. And then we took them into the metaverse. And we had the same experience, but we did it a little bit differently in the metaverse. So instead of listening, for example, to a stereo mix on headphones, which you would normally do in your monitoring, in that scenario. Here in the metaverse, they had more control, so they could hear the musicians coming from their locations in space. And so it was much more like an engaging live experience, and they had avatars of each other, and it worked really well. And so there's a lot of powerful potential there for audio interactions in the metaverse that we can exploit going forward, meaning that there's new types of immersive experiences that can bring people together with low latency to really create that interaction.
0: It's not just bandmates who could meet up in the metaverse. All of a sudden, creating an experience in music becomes way more accessible. Tech journalist Jane Wakefield.
4: The ability of great audio to create a music concert in your own home is going to be huge for people that perhaps don't have mobility, can't go to concerts, have health issues, whatever it may be. Music, we all love music. We all love the sound of music at a concert, which is very different to just listening to it on our headphones. If we can bring those two things together, that's just one tiny possibility.
0: That's just the start of things. Once you imagine yourself or your avatar navigating an immersive virtual world or worlds, the possibilities are limitless. And that's really exciting for DJ and producer, Kerry Chandler.
1: He recorded the album in 24 different clubs. I'm actually making a virtual version of these things, where you can go internally and see the artists that were on the album, and it's going to be built into a virtual world itself, where it's like you're on a planet, and you're gonna fly away to a distant planet where this is all there is like house music on this world. And you can make your own characters and you just go through the worlds and you go through different clubs and pretty much hear everything the way it was meant to be. My vision is if you've never seen these clubs before and you've never been in them before, I wanna have virtual versions of these clubs that I've done these things in and just have different people coming in and playing them, like they're virtual clubs.
0: To help guide us through the sensations of these virtual worlds, we welcome back our professor.
3: Arnold Lapid. here again, professor of acoustic sound at the Royal Guildhall. My journey to learn about the power of music has now taken me into the Metaverse, which feels positively futuristic, like spaceships or automatic hand dryers. Well, now I'm going to head back into the past, while inside the future. So I'll be going forwards in time to go back to... In, so it's sort of back to the to future, the, the past, you, you'll see what I mean. I'm going to use the Metaverse to see what it would have been like to attend Young Mozart's very first performance in 1761. Classical music is, of course, one of my passions. There are bits of classical music that are better than sex. I mean, that's just some of the feedback I've received from my wife. So, let's try it. Unbelievable. It's like I'm actually there, and the sound is amazing. What an incredible moment in history the young Wolfgang Amadeus beginning his journey towards superstardom. In many ways, he was one of the pop stars of his day, the equivalent of today's musical superstars like the Everly Brothers or Patsy Cline. It's also amazing to see the attention to detail. On the wall behind Mozart, I can see a strange historic symbol. It looks beautiful, like a rectangle that is partially filled by another rectangle. I can only imagine it's some sort of traditional etching, like a... No, no, it's the low battery sign on the headset. Sorry.
0: If next-level VR, virtual reality, is quicker than your pulse, then hold tight, too, for where AR, augmented reality, is heading.
6: What excites me the most about hearables is absolutely audio AR. And that's what I would consider a screenless AR. Jason Snyder, a futurologist
0: focused on the future of artificial intelligence.
6: And so if you think of the lenses that exist in Snapchat or the GIFs that you can give people in TikTok Live, Audio AR works in a very similar way, where you're adding layers on top of your physical reality to enhance an experience. When you're not restricted to a screen, it opens up this whole new world of possibilities. When you don't have a screen, it works your imagination in a different way. And that's arguably one of the most important human capabilities. I believe that that capability is actually weakened by a persistent use of screens. So hearables are very exciting in that way.
5: As we go and explore the metaverse, we can create our own metaverse experiences and our own metaverse worlds. We need to think about, okay, well, how are they going to sound? There's a lot of research into artificial intelligence and procedural audio to automatically generate immersive surround sound for augmented reality applications.
6: You could bring the audio portion of what's happening in your universe with you in the physical world wherever you go and overlay that and remain connected to it. And the ability to do that without a screen, it opens up so many new possibilities. You can imagine how that is a boon for retailers, right? You walk into a shop and you see a football jersey and you can hear the sounds of the team playing in the stadium when you're near it. And we're starting to see that in Web3, Metaverse Commerce, so that we can translate those things into retail environments in the physical reality with hearables. And the notion of sound moving from the Metaverse into physical reality is one of those things that today, when we talk about persistence and the ability to bring things with you, audio is one of those magical things.
5: Gavin Kearney, spatial audio expert. If I'm somebody who's, for example, visually impaired and I want to go about my business in a day-to-day scenario, then I could use, for example, AOR headphones that have pass-through mode that could help me have navigational cues that could tell me what way I could be moving and going. And again, this could be tied in with all sorts of wearable tech and gps tech and haptics biometric feedback to really tell me what my emotional state is or even warning there's cars coming all of these navigational cues could be really important moving forward not just for visually impaired people but for anybody listening to headphones on the street and once the ar audio has stopped you
0: from wandering into traffic it can guide you to the cinema for a whole new experience, for
5: everyone. I've been working with my colleague Mariana Lopez at the University of York on thinking about alternative strategies that are inclusive, and so that people who are visually impaired get something that's quite close to the experience that sighted people have when they go to the cinema. And the idea behind this is that we would use three different methods The first method is what's known as the I-voice. So instead of a third-person narration, you get one of the characters in the film to tell you what's happening as part of the soundtrack. And then also you can enhance the sound effects. So there are sound effect elements that may not have been in the original mix and you bring them out. When you're a visually impaired person, you're watching a 5.1 film, all of the dialogue and all the character-driven sound effects, they're all in the center channel. And for a visually impaired person, that's very difficult to unpick what's happening. I mean, we've run experiments where we've got visually impaired people into the lab and we've just played them speech from different people and asked them simple questions like how many people are talking in this scene? And until you spatialize the sound, until you separate the sound out, the error rate is really high. It's about 40%. And then when you spatialize it, it drops down to about 20%. So we take all of the soundtrack elements and we put it into a more theatrical presentation. So now you hear all of the characters moving about you and they have the correct acoustic perception so you have a better sense of place and better sense of presence. What's really interesting is when we showcase some of this work to both visually impaired and sighted individuals, sighted people loved it. You know, we thought it would be a very distracting thing for them, but they were like, this is such a cool alternative, you know, it's such a cool representation of the sound. So it's a feature that they felt it was quite accessible to them as well. Beyond the use of spatial audio, another key area of innovation is, of
0: course, artificial intelligence. I have to say, AI is one of those terms which feels both familiar and futuristic. Futurologist and inventor
6: Jason Allen Snyder. There's a lot to unpack inside of the idea of artificial intelligence. What it is and how it works and what the impact is on our lives. The borders between machines and people are blurring. And today, machine intelligence, artificial intelligence, two different things, but they're both part of our lives. When I wake up, I want to check my phone, you know, so the first thing I'm doing is engaging with AI in that sense. Not every one of these innovations are purely about disruption. They're about construction and they're about creating value for the companies that own the machines and the construction of the intelligence for the machines. And that's what's powering what we've started to call unconscious consumption. And that's eating every category of our lives. And I think that a lot of people believe that data is just information, but There's a difference between information and knowledge. And machine learning and AI transforms information into knowledge. And, you know, we're allowing that transformation at scale because we're all agreeing to the terms and services of that transformation. Why do we photograph everything? Do we need to do that? Does that make us more human, photographing everything? Or does it make us more like machines? Because the photographs we take are teaching machines about our world how to navigate it, about the things that are important to us, the things that we like about it, things we don't like about it, how to operate in it. And that's a big idea because we might not necessarily have the intention to train machines to understand our world. But when we take all these photographs and we store them in the cloud, almost every instance, I can assure you that those are the terms and conditions we've all agreed to do. And that's a big deal.
0: The terms being that it's give and take with tech. We give tech our data. In return, something like AI could deliver hearables that monitor our biometrics and decipher foreign languages.
4: It's incredibly rich, this area, but with that richness comes the concerns that we all have about the sharing of our personal data. And I think on this question, it's a bit of a Marmite issue, isn't it?
0: The more advanced tech gets, the higher the stakes seem to be, both for the benefits and the risks especially when it comes to something like health. This double-edged sword is something journalist Jane Wakefield explores.
4: People either think it's absolutely fine to share all your personal data and that you're providing a great service that will eventually change and revolutionise healthcare. And then on the other side, there's people who are very cautious about sharing personal data because what we've seen is that who has the best artificial intelligence systems who has the best hardware it's these big tech companies and so we have to ask ourselves whether we want our personal data in the hands of these big tech companies even if the payoff is that it might be able to detect and predict an illness that might get and help prevent happening so it's a playoff between those two things concerns about data and we've seen of course from big tech in the past that your data isn't always looked after quite how you might like it to be looked after. But is that worth the risk? And then the benefits that come from that might be that your healthcare is a whole lot better than it has been in the past.
6: Most people don't understand how much permission we're giving by agreeing to the terms and services. And if we aren't careful, We all may agree to a level of access if we really broke it down and thought about it in the context of our lives, we may say, well, wait, we don't want that. And that's the point of abdication. When we cross the threshold where we cannot survive or live or be comfortable without automation,
3: My journey into the 18th century was like nothing I've ever experienced. Apart from all the times I've seen people play Mozart's compositions in real life. Of course, the thing about classical music is it connects people. It brings together generations. My friends, my daughter, my grandson, they all hate it. But perhaps with the metaverse, I can finally get young people to enjoy classical music. Which is why today i brought along my grandson to try it out. Say hello, Michael. All right. So, Michael, you're going to travel back to 1795 to witness Beethoven perform his Ninth Symphony. How does that make you feel? Uh, no. That that doesn't really make sense as an answer, Michael. Cool. All right. Well, pop this headset on. It's a pretty mind-blowing experience, I warn you. Why are the graphics so shit? Oh, just give it a minute. Listen to the music. Uh, yeah, it's all right. What does it feel like? I guess it feels like listening to music while playing on the Wii. Ah yes, on Wii. That strange feeling of listlessness that we all experience now and then. How fascinating. What is it about the experience that made you feel on Wii? Well, just like the crappy graphics. Well, that's something, I guess. Can I go now? Yes, thank you for doing this. I don't know about you, but I feel like I just inspired a generation.
0: The metaverse promises connectivity in ways we've never known. But that connection is mediated via a device. A device that pretty much shuts out the real world. Isn't tech ultimately driving us towards disconnection?
4: I think then you have to start really asking yourself some questions about the culture of these things and how they're changing our interactions with each other. Even now, it's impossible to walk down a street without seeing pretty much every other person wearing headphones. And it is completely interesting to see how it changes the way they interact with other people. They're in their own worlds, they're listening to their music and they're completely cut off from everybody else. Is that a good thing? I mean, obviously, in some ways it is. If you can have your personal assistant remind you that you've got a meeting coming up, tell you that you've got to do something, just check the weather. All of that is useful stuff, right? But if it's constant and you're wearing these headphones constantly in your ears, then does that become problematic? Is that something that we should be doing? And these, again, I think are questions that we have to consider before it becomes a mainstream part of our lives. I remember a few years ago being horrified that you could buy iPads for prams. So basically your baby could just watch cartoons or whatever it was on an iPad. Yes, I'm sure that would calm them down and stop them crying, but it also stops them looking at the world and seeing things that they probably need to see for the development of their brain. And I would argue that absolutely the same thing happens with sound, that if you have a device that's blocking out certain sound or that is very much personalising your experience of sound, then you're not getting the richness of sound in the world that perhaps we all need. There is so much we can learn from sound that's good, but it's also, do we want to block it out or do we want to personalise the way that sound reaches us? And these are questions that we need to ask.
0: But we have a knack of not asking questions and just incrementally going along with the tech ride as each leap just becomes an accepted part of life. We glue ourselves to devices. We allow companies to know our most intimate searchers. I wonder if the metaverse, with its potential to take us out of our real worlds, Will be any different gavin kearney spatial sound expert and sound designer from the university of york
5: there's five senses so we are just covering the auditory domain but it's a whole cross-modal thing you can't have real world experience without engaging all five senses and so can it replace the real world well there is potential in the future for that to happen for sure but it's not immediately going to happen overnight even so whenever you increase the potential for communication and make that more realistic that's a good thing anything that increases the power of communication is a benefit to humanity in my opinion if people want to live in the metaverse great as long as they're engaging with other people that's their thing for sure I still like the real world as well (laughs) I'm still going to engage in the real world for a little while but yeah let's see
3: Music really is everything to me. It's hunger, it's sadness, it's sex, it's being alone, being together. It's everything and nothing, simple and complex. It is the opposite of what it is, and yet the exact thing that it is. That's why the metaverse has been such a revelation. It has allowed me to immerse myself in music like never before. You see, I've got my own digital Baroque chateau with four bedrooms and a digital harp. Just listen to that. That's something I could never dream of in the real world, where my chateau only has three bedrooms. One is an ensuite, but... In many ways, I can do whatever I want in the metaverse. Just the other day, I met a delightful young lady called Melissa, who speaks a bit like a middle-aged man, but she assures me that that's just a problem with her microphone. So you know what? Despite being sceptical to begin with, I think I might spend a lot more time in the metaverse. Thank you for coming with me on this journey. I hope I've made the power of music more accessible, and avoided being pretentious. Oh, Arnold! Melissa's calling me. (laughs) A microphone really does need fixing. (sighs) Anyway, goodbye, listener. I may never enter the real world again. So, I guess this really is the end for... Oh, fuck, the battery's died. Oh,
0: One night in the studio with my band editors, my greatest fear happened. My hearing started to go. Every musician's worst nightmare. In the desperate hope that tech might help my hearing, I unexpectedly set off into the world of hearables. And I'm excited. I'm excited by what they can do for our health, our abilities to communicate and create, to take the experience of music to another level, to take us into different immersive worlds, and maybe, just maybe, take my hearing up a notch. As with all tech breakthroughs, I'm also a little wary about how our data could be used or whether we'll all end up more disconnected, more alone, behind our headsets. What's truly amazing is how rapidly this new tech has come about. It was less than a decade ago, back in 2014, that one company came up with the idea for smart headphones and began fundraising. Bragi and their Dash Earbuds. The founder, the visionary, Nikolai Vilt. As I end my journey, where does he see hearables heading?
7: I love history because history shows where we were going. In the 90s, I had a keyboard and a mouse for a computer. My current computer has microphones, touchscreens, touch sensors, trackpads, cameras, the whole Pure history has shown us that the number of sensors inside our devices exponentially grow if the infrastructure is there for it. The more we will continue into the future, the more sensors it will have. I have a motion sensor in my body too. I can feel acceleration, I can feel turns. So the more sensors you apply, the more of a complete picture you get. So computers get smaller, sensorics get smaller and more deployed. So what will happen in the future, you'll see um, what we call hive mind computing. A lot of computers collaborating together, across the body and off the body to help you do what you need to do. I think all these things will move into what we call disappearables. So instead of having a phone that distances you from life, my objective is to have tiny computers that connect you with life.